Today's episode is brought to you by AFCO Racing Products. For over three decades, AFCO Racing Products has focused on one goal, deliver high quality racing products to those who compete to win. In drag racing, you only get one chance to get it right. Choosing quality components from the start leads to round wins and ultimately leads to championships. At AFCO Racing Products, they engineer, manufacture, and produce four-way shocks, struts, and double adjustable shocks complemented by a complete lineup of springs to support the entire range of drag racing competitors. If you are bracket racing today and future plans include top dragster or top sportsman, they have the correct shock package for you at every stage of your racing career. For tech support, quality, and superior on-track performance, think AFCO Racing Products. Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I am your host, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. Welcome to the show. Guys, girls, today's episode number 77. It is the second week of August 2021. Wow, man, we are in it now, aren't we? It is hot. We are... uh, on the back stretch of 2021, kind of hard to believe. Uh, let's see what happened this week in America. Um, let's see. Okay, there was a rock in Wisconsin that is racist. We got that removed. That's good. Uh, the Fed again tells you that they don't care about the U.S. dollar. That was interesting. Texas and Oklahoma moved to the SEC. Never thought I would see that. Um, that is. Beyond fascinating for our football-loving folks, um, and you know uh, we we don't get in too much to it, but there was a rule change in Pro Mod. I think that will be interesting to see how that plays out on the NHRA side in Pro Mod. Um, you know, one of the good things about top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing is that it doesn't get too chaotic with rules moving around and and different cars being um, given better, uh, let's say, favorable conditions than those um, others. And there's not that jockeying that goes back and forth politically, which is great. I think that's one of the reasons why I'm drawn to it. Uh, But on that side, you just have to do that. And uh, apparently NHRA making another move to see exactly um, you know how they can best make that class better. I, I'm I don't know. To me, it seems very easy. The answer is move them to a thousand foot. That helps your cause quite a bit in a lot of different ways. But we'll see how that shakes out for the pro mod side. Um, oh, then also guess what? The COVID Delta variant. Okay, here we go. Um, this just in. We are all going to get it. Uh, turns out the Rona can't be vaccinated away. Um, you know, and the more we think about this as we get more data, it makes more and more sense. I mean, it is like the flu, 
Um, and there's a flu season for a reason. Um, you know, we can't get vaccinated and never get the flu again. We can't vaccinate the flu off the face of the planet. It's molecularly very similar to the flu. And so it's going to act like the flu. We can't vaccinate it away like we did smallpox. Uh, that's just how that how that works that we're going to have to deal with this everyone is going to have different reactions to it much like the flu some people get the flu often some people never get the flu and frankly i know people on both sides of the fence that never get a flu shot never get the flu i know people that get the flu shot every year typically end up getting the flu anyway so I don't know the answer to that. I just know that we're going to be dealing with this for a long, long time. And the best we can all do is prepare our bodies to defend against it when we actually do get it. Um, it's kind of like having a pro mod, I think. If It's not if you're going to wreck, it's when you are going to wreck. And it's the same with the Rona. Um, so we all need to try to eat better myself included. Um, I have to lose a few excess pounds. That is for sure. Um, we have to take our vitamin C. We have to take vitamin D and zinc and prepare for it the best we can. But it is coming back. Uh, vaccination or no vaccination. I, I mean, I don't know that that moves the needle, to be quite honest. Um, but Everyone's motions are really riled up, um, and we need to deal with it. And we're going to have to deal with it for the rest of our lives. Um, so, you know, buckle up. And maybe the NHRA was just getting ahead of that. You know, we talked about the NHRA shortening the schedule for the U.S. Nationals a little bit. There, it, that may be the right thing as we get closer to that. It seems like there are more and more cases out there, and they may need to shorten that and or go back to mask and whatnot. So maybe they're ahead of it. Uh, we will see, I guess, in a very you know very short time. The U.S. Nationals are coming up. Um, also, and guys, girls, this may be the biggest news to hit the sport of drag racing um, You know, the, in a long, long time. This has started to unfold in the public eye uh, last week. You know, to mostly extreme cheerleading. Um, and I'm not ready to break it all down just yet, but I just want to tell you that great, great news is on the horizon for our sport. I know we tend to think of the golden age of drag racing when it was uh, cigarette and beer sponsors, but uh, what is on the horizon is about to change the game in the best way possible. Um, and I can't truly wait to tell you all the details, but we aren't quite there yet. So um, let's do this. Let's just have two incredible guests on today, and I will follow up on that item in the very near future. I'm excited to have these two great guests on today. First of all, Blake Peevler. He's a standout top dragster driver in the NHRA Division Three world, and he is on fire right now. Uh, maybe the hottest driver in our classes right now so you know how we do it we always get the hottest drivers on and then also don higgins he's a super comp driver but he is the founder owner and operator of the crew chief pro software i'm excited to have him on and tell his story as well so let's do it let's get to doing whatever it is that you do while you're listening to the show make your commute clean the shop Work on the old heap, but metaphorically speaking, 
get your helmet on, get strapped in, because here we go. All right, let's make a pass. Let's get him hot. Let's put this thing in the water box. Good news, maybe great news out of Team Chevy this past week. Chevy rolls out the Copo 572 fuel injection version to run in the stock super stock classes. Um, and we need more of this. We need much more of this. Uh, we, I, I can't stress this enough. This got me fired up. Big cubic inches, um, at least for those classes and, you know, not necessarily for our classes, but for these classes, um, really cool stuff, a little break from the LS stuff. And I think more cubic inches, more roar is better. It's better. Uh, we need more of this, not not more of the Tesla and the Ford trying to make cars that, you know, uh, just helps teenagers sneak out of their home at night. I mean, I think that's the best thing if you were had an e, you know, electric car. You could sneak out of your parents' house and drive away and they may not hear you. I think that would be the positive of that. Um, I need less of Tony Stewart getting in an electric Mustang. Uh, like Tony Stewart, I get why he does it, but... Ooh, I don't, I don't need that. Um, I suppose it, at least it wasn't that Mustang E. I mean, what a weird concept that thing was. Um, and I will give you this. I will give that corporate suit credit for somehow pushing that monstrosity through. I mean, imagine pushing the Mustang E through in a corporate meeting and, and trying to pull off like this is going to be huge, folks. Um, I, I give them credit. Uh, salesperson of the year for sure. Uh, but uh, look out when the Blue Oval has way, way too many of those parked on the lot at the end of the year. Um, man, uh, get what you uh, kind of, you know, careful what you wish for in terms of that. But uh, in either event, um, after years of trying to figure this stuff out, guys, I finally figured it out. The best thing about drag racing electric cars and it took me a long time to figure this out and maybe you guys figured it out before I did but here's the positive I see in electric cars and this is the only one I can find out so if you have more please let me know but here's the positive about drag racing electric cars we could in theory race them inside in a dome under a roof so think about this. They don't make any noise. So theoretically, we could build an indoor drag strip or like a retractable roof like, you know, the ones uh, I see here in Indianapolis for the Colts at Lucas Oil Stadium. And we would never have to deal with a rain delay or bad weather conditions ever again. Uh, tracks could start their show at almost the exact same time every week and they could be done pretty much at the exact same time. Something that would be good for fan attendance and fan retainage. I guess you could add an air conditioner then, which uh, you know would help fan attendance even more. I am sure Tyler Crossno and Kurt Johnson would appreciate the break from having to deal with rain and wind and whatever else gets pushed out on the drag strip every week. So I think that could be 
a positive, and I'm, I'm looking very hard. I think you guys know I'm looking extremely hard to find a positive, and this is the only one I could figure out. Um, you know, it's an interesting thought, even if it seems entirely bizarre on the surface. But uh, that said, the whole thought process on why we need electric cars is just flat out wrong, and we're all being duped. Um, it's getting to the point where um, I would actually love it if any tree hugger would try to challenge me on this subject, I mean, it's fun to watch them squirm and then run for the hills when they know they don't actually have any proof of what they're screaming about. I mean, we've talked on this show before about the environmental destruction of volcanoes. That is a fact. That is something we cannot control. That is happening all the time, and it, it just continues to happen. Part of the environmental destruction is what it is. We have talked about how corporate fishing in the oceans have done massive destruction to our environment on this show. We've talked about that. That could certainly be something that is curtailed and would help the environment immediately. And now um, I'm going to give you another little slap in the face here. Fact about our environment that no one seems to want to acknowledge. 25 of the largest cities in the world combined to create 52% of all the global environmental pollution in the world. What even better? Uh, 23 of those 25 cities are in China. So Moscow and Tokyo make up the other two. Um, so we don't even have one city in the top 25 in the world that create over 52% of, of all the pollution. Uh, it's it's kind of ridiculous then to bang on here about how our uh, grocery getters should be uh, less you know pollution. It, it's it's kind of ridiculous, um, you know. And I get okay, Tokyo's no Tokyo mix that uh, doesn't go in the mix because we had Tokyo drift that doesn't count. Drag racers don't you know claim that stuff. That's that's not part of our our cross to bear that way. Um, you know, I don't know how much further we want to go um, to that point. Oh, other than this, this week, this is great too. Um, Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, and Mike Bloomberg teamed up to find a teamed up to form a giant uh, joint venture to drill for about 1.4 trillion dollars worth of rare natural resources for electric car batteries on Greenland in Greenland. So think about this. They've got to melt that ice and, ice and permafrost to get the resources out so we can make electric vehicles so that we can save the ice and permafrost. It None of this makes any sense. I mean, we are being duped, um, and it's getting to the point where I don't know why smart people are still buying into this. Um, it's a fleecing that's all it is. Um, I, I guess it's good for teenagers that want to sneak out of the house. After that, I do not understand how many people are getting duped on this. And I, for one, am just happy that Chevy took a, you know, kind of a realistic look about this and um, gave us the 572 because it's a little piece of sanity in a world gone completely mad with electric vehicles. All right.
right, on with us now as we put this thing in the beams from Olney, Illinois, the home of the White Squirrels, the winner of the last two major Division Three events in top dragster, really the hottest driver in the class. Welcome to the show, Blake Peevler. Blake, how are you today, my man? I'm doing good, Rex. How are you? Well, I'm good, but I'm not nearly as good as you are. I mean, you have not lost in a long time, and that has got to feel good. Yeah, it feels really good. We're uh, on a little bit of a roll right now. <laughs> well, it's it's interesting. Um, your your dad, Al Peebler, was on episode number 13, uh, known, known your dad for a long time, um, and had a chance to talk with him earlier in the year, and he just mentioned to me that he thought things were coming together for you. I mean, he really at the time, and I think it was the PDRA race in Bowling Green, he thought that really you had kind of strung together uh, better uh, packages and better races, just hadn't gotten win lights at the time. And, and I remember him just talking like saying, hey, Blake is really close. He's really close. What do you attribute that to? Um, I mean, did you do anything in the offseason? Because I know you've been – uh, driving for a long time, right? Yeah, um, this is my third season in Top Dragster. Um, last winter, um, we ended up buying a car from Rob Moser and pretty much spent a whole season, you know, getting it lined out how we wanted it, um, getting it consistent, exactly how we needed it to run. And this year, it's kind of all coming together. The car has been great. Uh, it's kind of saved me a couple times. <laughs> Walk us through that car, because I know um, I, I know you guys have a very uh, very solid setup. Yeah, it's a, a 2014 American chassis. Um, it's a 250 inch um, top dragster car. Um, bought it from Rob Moser uh, last year. Uh, it's been a really good car. And and what type of power plant do you do you guys use? Um, I have a APD. Um, it's a 540 inch uh, big block Chevy. Uh, run the F1X12 Pro Charger um, with APD's blow through carburetor. Um, then I have uh, a Bruzy's trans and converter. Um, and now we're, this year we uh, added the uh, Gate the Enterprises driveline. Uh, we really like it so far. Uh, both cars have it. That's that CV's, um, uh, CV joint, is that right? Yeah, the CVD drive line. Yep, it replaces the uh, U-joint drive shaft. And in your in your mind, what's the what's the big advantage on that? Because I know I do see guys going to that. Um, what's what's the big advantage to that, Blake? So last year at Bowling Green, um, in qualifying, I was about the thousand foot cone and threw a drive shaft out and uh, cut a tire. Got the whole birdcage four link set up. Uh, got some bars. Uh, really just did a lot of damage it, it broke at the front and of course stayed attached to the rear end and was just whipping um we didn't really want that to happen again so we got out of contact with uh, brett and he got us all set up yikes that so we think it's a safety yeah that uh man that that sounds like nasty i mean we're uh um i mean did you got it stopped safely though they didn't turn over or anything like that Nope, nope. It was it was safe. Uh, got it, got the shootout and rolled off the track. So it could have been a lot worse. Did, 
did you have any idea what was going on back there when when the thing starts breaking loose like that? I mean, that's I don't know that I haven't been through that myself. So I'm I'm trying to imagine the scenario when things just start uh, falling apart behind you. Well, I was on a pretty good path, and like I said about the thousand foot cone, it just nosed over, and so I shut it off, killed the power, and everything. And then as I kill the power, of course, all the sound quits, and then I hear the whip, and it's it sounds like it's coming. <laughs> it was <laughs> right, right. So you you made that change, and um, and I'm guessing you made the same change in your dad's car too. I mean, you guys have two cars that I think the way I understand it is you try to prepare them very similarly. Yep, they are virtually identical. Um, yeah, and this winter we uh, got both drive shafts put in. And mine and his, uh, he really loves his too. Did did you guys pick up any ET with that, or was it mostly just a safety factor for you guys? Um, we think maybe it might be worth a mile an hour, um, based on what we ran last year. Um, but mostly just we want the safety feature. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that um, you know, at when you're pushing, you know, two hundred and. 30 miles an hour like you guys do it uh you can't really you know have any of that stuff going haywire like that 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 seems to me like that would have puckered you up pretty good yeah absolutely we uh we were pretty glad to make that change <laughs> yeah i i can imagine well um th- let's let's go back a little bit you you spent some time running super quick which in the division three area here in central illinois and in the midwest is extremely competitive. Um, talk to us about about that, and then making the move, to, deciding to make the move to top dragster full time. Well, I, I started running super quick um, probably about ten years ago. Um, I was a senior in high school, and we had a uh, Mollus chassis car, which is a five sixty five conventional head. It run about four seventies. So I went up to Coles County, a little track north. Oh yeah, north of where we live in Charleston. Knew the bump would be a little slower so I could get in, and I ended up making it down to four cars that race and kind of got the hook. <laughs> sure. So, yep, ran that car, and we ended up selling it, and uh, then I raced Dad's car that he has now in super quick for a year or two. And then we, uh, in 2016, we built a uh, American super comp car that I ran to the super quick series with and had a little success. I finished in the top ten once, maybe twice. Um and then I ended up making the, the move to a top dragster in 2019 and ran the first season with that super top car with the pro charger and then ended up making the move this year to the top dragster chassis. You know, I hear that same story time and time and again, and I think we all our listeners probably um, can relate. The racing gods, they hook us with that first one. Like you said, you go to Coles County and you like have some success and you're like, ooh, this is this is gonna be, you know, this is gonna be all right. This is gonna be fun. We're gonna turn on wind lights and go and make a few bucks. Um, and then reality strikes, right? And you go, Man, there's a lot of good drivers out there, and this doesn't happen that easily. Um how how long was that? For how long has it been since that time in Coles County to now? Which you're on now, you're on a heater again. Um, that was about ten years ago. Uh, whenever I first started, and like you said, that Super Quick series is tough. I mean, there's there's no gimmies in that that series. It's, no, you better be a low dead on, or you're packing it up. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, so it's the same old story, right? Uh, it Every overnight success story is it takes about 10 years, right? So uh, your overnight success story of, of just mowing through um, the top dragster world right now in Division Three is taking ten years. Nicely done. It's uh, you're right on schedule. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about this win streak because it is very impressive. Um, uh, let's go to Columbus where there was the double right, and so um, you you started with the divisional and then go to the the Jeg Sports National, which was a little bit delayed. But walk us through that weekend and did you have a feel uh, going in that like, hey, maybe this is my weekend? Yeah, um, we knew the car was uh, we knew the car was right there, and all I needed to do was be right there with it. And we uh, made a, some converter changes, um, loosened the converter up a little bit, made the car a little more consistent, um, and it was deadly. Uh, I was dialing the basement pretty much every pass at the Sports Nationals, and knowing I could run a little quicker than that, so I was just the car was there, and that didn't let me down, so. That's that's a big confidence booster to know that the car is you know going to be there. Yeah, and and that was the first that was the first big one, right? Um, then I mean it's a it's a national event. Um, there's a lot of good racers there that uh, you know all showed up for double double event. You get that win. That's got to be huge. I mean that that's got to change your whole mentality about uh, when you show up from then. Yeah, I. Uh... It was nice to get that first one off my back a little bit, and that national event Wally, man, that's just there's nothing better than that. <laughs> right, yeah, um, and then um, I mean, from that, then you go, oh, we're coming a little bit closer to home yet. Um, coming to Indy, how how far is the trip from Indy to to Olney? Uh, we can be to the track in less than two and a half hours, even by motorhome. So it's it's about the closest track we go to, other than maybe Gateway. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's uh yeah. Gateway's probably a little bit closer, I'm guessing, um, or whatever they would call yeah. it now. What do we call it? Uh, worldwide, uh, something other yeah. anyway, it's, it's gateway. I mean, it's always going to be gateway. I well, think. It'll always be gateway. Now. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but it's, it's like a home event for you, right? So you, you make the quick trip and you've got to kind of felt probably going in like, Hey, th- we got a chance. Just, I mean, you got to feel good, right? You have a lot of confidence rolling into the gates in Indy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, knew I needed to get some points for the divisional side if I wanted to try to finish top ten in the division. So I knew I needed to go some rounds, and unfortunately, I had to run my pops second round. So that's that's always kind of rough. <laughs> so are you still employed? I guess that's the question. I mean, if you beat your dad, uh, it, don't you work? Don't you guys work side by side? Yeah. Yeah. It was. He made me buy him dinner afterwards. So. <laughs> That's a fair trade, in my opinion. That's a fair trade. Um, yeah, talk a little bit about what you guys do. Um, it, it's a pretty cool deal to get to get to work side by side with your dad. What do you guys do daily? Yeah, so uh, like I was saying, he has a trucking company. Um, about 25 to 27 trucks. I'm not really sure off the top of my head. <laughs> but he, uh, him and my grandpa own it and – my brother runs the office side and I run the mechanic side and I do drive a little bit uh, when we're kind of short on drivers, but for the most part do uh, general maintenance and you know, all of the keep the trucks running. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's great. So, um, you, you have to run your dad like that. That's gotta be, um, a unique feeling. Have you guys done that before? Have you guys staged up together before? 
Yes, um, I think that might have been our fifth time, sixth, fifth or sixth time. He's telling me, and unfortunately, he had gotten me every time before that one, so I was due. <laughs> <laughs> all right, um, all right. So you you did get over on him. That was a that was kind of a major hump. Um, yeah, that that's good. So then, I mean, and your dad has, uh, I mean, he is as qualified as anybody. I mean, he he's a, a very high level racer so when you beat him now you even got to be feeling it even better right like you've won the the jeg sports nationals then you come back and you're like hey i got over the hump with my dad now too that that had to have you just flying at that point yeah yeah that was definitely a big one and moving into that third round uh you know you kind of calm down get the first round jitters out of the way and settle in and move on (laughs) right and then and then um you go, and then in the final, you've got JB, which uh, JB Strasway, I mean, he's as good as they come as well. I mean, and then you run, I mean, dead on. Walk us through that final. I mean, you, you're like, hey, um, I'm getting used to going to finals now, right? But but still, there's a little bit different. Um, it's at Indy. It's, um, you know, it's the divisional event. Again, um, kind of give us a little bit of mindset on how that final round went for you. Yeah, so even before getting to the finals, you know, I had to, throughout the day, I had to run three guys with a single digit numbers. So that, that makes it a little interesting. And then at four, four cars, I had, you know, the always tough Zach Sackman, and yep. he laid down a 13 style pack on me and happened to sneak past him. So that was, that was big uh, momentum going forward, I think. For sure, right? For sure. So yeah, and then. I, Knew I was going into JB in the finals, and, you know, JB's always tough. He's always going to be there. Yep. So we dialed the car, you know, knowing about what it would run. I just went a 618-0, so we let it ride and went up there for the final and hoping for the best. <laughs> right, and, and you get it done. So now that's two uh, winner circles in a row for you. I mean, that, that – just really, I mean, we, we talked about that even in super quick, but I mean, on the top dragster side, that just doesn't happen very often, um, especially where there's all these drivers and this field is so, so tough. Um, I mean, did you ever at the beginning of the year or even in your life, do you think you could win two of them in a row? No, I've, I've been trying so hard just to win the first one. And right. Hopefully once I got that one out of the way, maybe they'll, maybe they'll come a little bit easier, but. I, I never expected it to uh, come that fast. <laughs> right, right. Well, uh, that's good stuff. Well, um, congrats to you. I know you guys have been working hard on that. And, uh, you know, like I said, I just, I, it was interesting because early in the season, um, you know, just talking with your dad, he kind of said, hey, Blake's got a chance here. Like, things are coming together for him. And so I give him a lot of credit for – uh, you know, kind of looking in the crystal ball and seeing that, um, how it played out. But uh, talk a little bit about what's next for you guys um, on your schedule and what type of goals you, you personally have. Um, next, um, in two weekends, we are going to be at the Bowling Green Quick 16 race they're having. Uh, I believe it's a top dragster, top sportsman uh, together race. Okay. Um, we're, yep, and then we're going to be back at Bowling Green the next weekend for the divisional and then uh, right up to the U.S. Nationals after that. Uh, and our team's pretty excited for that because Dad's representing us, uh, our division with the Jags All-Stars. So we're preparing for that. Yeah, that, that's, uh, that, that, that'll be really cool. So two, two weekends in Bowling Green um, and then come back for the U.S. Nationals. Um, and 
And then, of course, your dad is the, you know, represents Division Three for the JEG sports, uh, or, you know, the All-Stars. That's that's really cool. That's really cool. So you guys got a busy, busy couple weeks here. Yes, we do. We got to get some maintenance done and get our cars serviced and make sure they're in top shape before the Nationals. <laughs> right. Um, well, I mean, I, I guess that's that's on you, right? That's uh, that's your job. If your your job is to maintenance the trucks as well, that uh, that falls on you. Yep, I I maintenance mine and uh, Dad covers his, so we we maintenance our own cars. <laughs> okay, all right, good stuff, good stuff. Well, I appreciate you coming on, Blake. Um, you know, obviously watched you this this year pretty closely uh, because of that conversation earlier, and uh, really excited for you uh, to get those wins and and really, I mean rooting for you to keep it rolling. I know the rest of Division Three isn't, but I am. <laughs> well, thanks, Rex. I appreciate that very much. <laughs> yeah, uh, guys, girls, that was the great Blake Peevler. Um, appreciate you coming on, my man, and I will see you here in a couple weeks. Today's half-track report is brought to you by DragRaceLawyer.com. But you knew that already. All right, let's get to it. Um, All right, let's bring you some of the latest drag racing action. First of all, there was an NHRA national event out in Pomona. They wrapped up the West Coast Swing. And, you know, the top sportsman group out there had 20 cars. Your number one qualifier was Jeff Conley. He goes a 639.2 at 229 miles an hour. That is really bringing some steam on the top end. Um, And Jeff goes number one once again. He's uh, making it a habit out there. Nicely done, Jeff. Uh, But your winner was Rich Okerman over Phil Miller. And I have to tell you, I have to tell you, I think I made this uh, prediction last week or the week before, and I believe it was on a drag champ facebook post i believe um i felt like rich was due and uh man rich gets it done he gets the win uh phil miller got a little loose and you know saves it and uh lives to uh race another day so um smart move on his end but rich collects the Winlight and the wally his eighth national event wally parks trophy nicely done rich just an all-around good dude um on the top sportsman side um, on top dragster side, there were 32 cars. Phil Dion goes number one with a 610 with an O at 226. So, man, doing it just perfectly there. But your winner is Paul Nero over Mike Mendenhall, our hero, Paul Nero, 14 on the tree and one above for 25,000 total. It's enough to get by Mike Mendenhall in for the Winlight and the Wally. Paul Nero, former national champion, gets his sixth national event Wally Parks trophy. Nicely done, fellas, out in Pomona. All right, let's go all the way across to the East Coast now. Let's crisscross the country and and go to the PDRA Pro Star event. And this was kind of a neat thing. This is the um, PDRA's version of the JEGS All-Stars. Um, they're doing the Pro Star event, and it's really cool. Um, and they, what they did was they allowed the top sportsman and top dragster, uh, top eight points getters from last year up until this point um, to run against each other. So they put top sportsman and top dragster together. True bracket race here. 
and um, you know as as it worked out, um, all the dragsters won in the first round. So it was all dragsters uh, from the second round on. And your winner was Larry Roberts. He gets a win over Kellen Farmer. Uh, Kellen, of course, was the first ever guest on Fast Brackets Nation. Um, so uh, you know we always root for Kellen, but Kellen turned the bulb red, uh, and that is seventy five hundred dollars. Uh, to Larry Roberts, the first ever Pro Stars uh, event trophy. Um, and they did that both on the elite side and the 32 side. Uh, I think the only interesting thing about this was that they did a chip draw each round, so it wasn't like a normal bracket. So that was a, a little unique. I'm not uh, sure you know, if that changes the game at all, but uh, interesting from that standpoint. Um, and on the regular side, or the 32 side, your winner was Stacy Hall over Ronnie Proctor by a couple foul. Um, Stacy had cars in both top sportsman and top dragster, but took the dragster to the final and was dead on one uh, for the win over the former NHRA national champion, Ronnie Proctor. All right, let's get into the NHRA. Let's stay on the East Coast. NHRA had a Division II event at Galat Motorsports Park, and they went to the 1,000-foot, something that I am a huge fan of. Uh, I think, you know, because we've done that with the top fuel and funny cars, I think we can move more and more towards that. We've got faster cars, particularly on the Pro Mod side. Uh, I think that would help them gain some parity that way. But um, nobody asked me. Nobody asked me. And so uh, when they do, I will tell them that's the easiest answer ever. But they went to a 1,000 foot. So the numbers here are going to be a little bit different than you're used to. Top Sportsman had 20 cars. Scott Weiss, um, he has a 63 Corvette. And he goes number one, 511 with a 6 at 214 miles an hour. Nicely done, Scott. Uh, but your winner was Jackie Bennett over Sean Merrow. Bennett with a reaction time advantage and holds it for the Winlight and the Wally. His very first. So congrats to Jackie Bennett going 1,000 foot in top sportsman and getting the Wally. On the top dragster side, there were 23 cars. Your number one qualifier, uh, Steve Furr, getting it done. He goes 5043 at 212 miles an hour. I mean, still really moving. I mean, think about that. He's still going 212 miles an hour to a thousand foot, um, really letting it, uh, you know, letting it rip there. And I think that would, I really do think that'd be good. We'll have to talk about that more. Anyway, uh, your winner was Jeff Strickland over Chad Taylor. Jeff Strickland, it's just nasty. I mean, he's, he's 001 on the tree. Takes fourth out at the stripe for the win. I mean, wow. That is Strick's 25th Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series Wally Parks Trophy. You heard him on the show earlier. I think he was episode 25. I'll have to check on that. Uh, but, uh, but you know, that is... Strick was awesome. Took in that sticker punk dragster to the winner circle. Nicely done there, uh, Jeff. All right, let's move to the Midwest. And you guys know it was hot, um, and uh, NHRA came to Indy uh, Division Three um, Divisional here to prepare for U.S. Nationals coming up. Um, in Top Sportsman, there were 29 cars. Your number one qualifier. Uh, stop me if you've heard this before. Lester Johnson. 
He takes that new 58 Corvette to uh, number one with a 617.0 at 200 and almost 36 miles an hour, 235.93. Man, for that top spot, got those twin turbos spinning. Um, nicely done, Lester, getting it done again. Um, but your winner, Jerry Albert over Tim Kernan. Jerry with the better light and leads Tim through for his seventh Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series Wally and his second divisional event win in a row at Indy. He won last year um, at Indy, so he wins this year at Indy. He just he just likes that track. I mean, uh, and you know, I did have a chance to talk uh, with Jerry um, over the weekend. I mean, I was out there. Um, and my man Jerry felt good. I mean, I, he just, you could tell um, he was confident and comfortable about where the car was and then just went and got it done on Sunday. So congrats to Jerry and Tracy uh, for getting that uh, consecutive divisional win in Indy. Nicely done. On top dragster side, there were 28 cars. Your number one qualifier was Ashley Johnson. Um you know, I don't know if that name sounds familiar, but that is Lester's um, daughter-in-law, and they both go number one. Very cool stuff. She goes 6'11 with a zero at 230 miles an hour. There were 16 cars in that field that qualified under 625. I mean, just a stout, stout field. And then your winner was Blake Peevler over J.B. Strasweg. Um, you heard Blake earlier here. JB with a better light, but Blake runs dead on for his second Division Three top dragster win in a row by five thou. Um, it's a really nice feather in your hat when you win two in a row in top dragster in the NHRA Division Three uh, area. Wow, nicely done. Um, heck of an event, nicely done. All right, let's go to Great Bend, Kansas. Keep moving west. There were 14 cars in top sportsmen. Alan Firestone goes number one with a 660 with a three at 207 miles an hour. And then the winner is Kyle Firestone over J.J. Heber. Uh, J.J. with a starting line advantage but has some problems down track. And Kyle Firestone gets the win in his fifth final round attempt. Nicely done. This is a good weekend for the Firestone camp right there. Uh, Dad goes number one. Son ends it in the winner's circle. Congrats to that entire Firestone crew um good folks and getting it done in great bend on the top dragster side there were 25 cars bradley johnson goes number one he goes 610 with a two at 223 but your winner is victoria johnson i do not believe there's any relation over jeff cornan uh victoria with the starting line advantage and runs dead on with a five for the win uh victoria wins her First Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series Wally in her second final round attempt. So nicely done to everybody out there in Great Bend. All right, next weekend we'll bring you coverage for the NHRA Heartland Motorsports Park um, event there, that national event there. We'll bring you um, results from the PDRA Maple Grove event that's coming up this weekend. It's going to be hot both places, guys, girls. Uh, compete hard and stay hydrated and uh, be safe. Um, I keep telling you we should um, also reset the points, Chases. I will definitely do that next week. Whoa, let's get out of the groove for just a minute. 
Uh, on with us now from Peoria, Illinois. He is the creator of what is the gold standard in race data prediction software. He's the driver of the Crew Chief Pro Super Comp Dragster. Welcome to the show, Don Higgins. Don, how are you today? Great. Thanks a lot for having me on. Yeah, thank you for coming on. I know you are on your way to Topeka for the event there and uh, appreciate you carving some time out of your schedule. No problem. No problem at all. Well, I, I want to look forward to it, actually. Yeah, um, well, I wanted to have you on because uh, clearly what you've developed is uh, is so important to both the top dragster and and top sportsman world that we live in and obviously bracket racing and, and super racing in general. Um, let's, let's go way, way back. Cause I know you've been doing this forever. Um, how did you even get the idea and how did, how did crew chief pro start? Well, the idea came about when I was 16 years old, I started drag racing a motorcycle, a three-cylinder, two-stroke Kawasaki that my parents didn't even know I had. <laughs> I hid it from them. And uh, so I started going to a local track in Havana, Illinois. Oh, sure. And I went down for my first race with all these uh, exceptional ideas, I thought, you know, how to run the motorcycle and what I was going to do. I had no idea about weather or anything like that. So... I got down there and, uh, I revved the engine up on the starting line at 3000 RPM. And this is something I won't ever forget. I said, okay, I'm going to be perfect right here. I'm going to launch and go to full throttle. And then next thing I know, the bike flipped out from underneath me <laughs> and I uh, ran behind it for a few seconds and then jumped back on it. And that was my, my beginning. And I thought, Whoa, this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. So, the next round was my second and only time run. I sat on the gas tank on the starting line and revved it all the way to the moon and dropped the clutch. And, uh, and I was 007 on the tree and I ran down there for first two gears on top of the gas tank, basically <laughs> to stop the wheel stands. Right. I didn't have any wheel bars. And, uh, I was like, well, that's what I got to do. That's what I got to do. And then I, Ended up winning the race, not because I could dial it, but because other people made mistakes, and I was only really golden one time, and after that, it was just all luck. But I I had to take this three-foot trophy home and had no way to do it. Some guy came over and gave me bungee cords, and <laughs> I bungeed him to my back, the trophy, and... Uh, that's how it started. So I thought, well, this is easy now. I understand how to do it, you know, and all that. I never won another round for like two years. The racing and uh, I couldn't, yeah, and I couldn't understand what was going on. So finally, uh, I started looking at weather and realized that weather has an important effect on performance. Mm -hmm. And so I, I just, I at the time I couldn't stand math. I was, now I was. Uh, a freshman in college and so I went to my professors and I said I've got a dilemma here maybe you can help me with and they looked at it and they said well we're not really sure but it appears that 
you know, temperature slows you down and, um, you know, cause I kept exceptional notes and then I started looking at mathematical formulas and what really triggered it was in 1982 or three, my brother worked for Wang laboratories and they made computers and uh, he had a computer software program that he had showed me. And I thought, wow, this is, it's really interesting. He said, you can make formulas and you can make things happen in this program. And I was like, well, that's nice, Dave, but uh, you know, that just seems like a lot of work for, you know, and then uh, came along that my family owned a car dealership and a Dodge dealership for 30 years. Okay. And I realized that maybe I could write software for both that and the drag racing. So I contacted my brother and said, where do I get this software program? Uh, you know, we, I went out and bought it and started developing. And the drag racing software started in 1983 or four uh, with this giant 25 pound laptop that had about a five inch screen on it. Right. And that's where it, where it began. And, uh, it moved from there. It had no name. It had no name until 1991, I think, 92 maybe. Uh, at first, I just called it Common Sense Software. That was the name of my software company. It was a horrible name, of course, but it's still my official name. Okay. And uh, so I started trying to push it to other racers in 1991 while still working in a car business and and we sold the car dealership and I realized I I had to make something out of my life. I no longer wanted to be in the car business. So I started pushing the software as hard as I could. The development was 12, 14 hours a day as I tried new formulas and just worked with math, constantly working with mathematical formulas. And uh, then I met Larry Bernhausen who I'd seen at the local track for years right. as a Vega wagon and still runs one. And uh, he's a really good racer. And I came up to him in 1992 at Byron. And I said, I've got this program that predicts elapsed times. And, you know, I'm trying to see what people are interested in, see if I can improve it and make it something that people would want to get. And he goes, well, that's fine. Let, let me take a look at it. And, uh, from that point on, I started traveling with Larry Bernhausen and Dave Dollum, uh, both excellent racers, and uh, trying to perfect the software. And I believe I started selling quite a few of them in 95, 96. And then in 1997, uh, it really broke broke loose, where I think I was doing $17,000 an entire year of software back then. And, uh, and I started, I just, you know, I finally found the niche with the weather stations that integrated with our software. And, uh, you know, I realized that it's starting to work very, very well. And right. Larry was winning a lot of races and, uh, you know, just in 1998 down in Florida, I remember I sold about 30 programs at one race and a bunch of weather stations. And that's when I realized I don't want to do anything else. I want to just perfect this as well as I can. 
And, uh, you know, that was the rest of days, as I say, is history. You know, it just, right. what I love to do. It's my passion. And, uh, you know, as I move through these ranks, bracket racers, super comp, super gas, super street. And then I started pushing top sportsman and top dragster and started following a couple of good racers. And I'd go up to them and say, okay, here's what I'm doing now. Is this going to work for you? And then people would say, well, what about track temperature? And I said, well, what about it? And they're like, well, we predict with track temperature also. So I added that into the software and added a mathematical formula that would automatically change your 60 foot based on track temperature and adjust the predictions accordingly. Had a, now I had a factor for that. And then people said, well, what about nitrous oxide? And so we started developing formulas for that. And now the big thing is the ProCharge setups. And uh, we have several different setups for those as, uh, you know, depending on how hard they push the engines. Sure. So it's just the constant research and development, and it'll never be done. I mean, I work on this software every day. And I try to improve it every day. And while I'll try 10, 15 different things formula-wise to make the predictions better, you know, usually only one or two of these ideas actually prove a point. And the rest of them are discarded as, well, that was a nice try, but it's not really working. And uh, so now wind, you know, I've a long time ago, I added wind into the predictions and multiple angles, how it changes the prediction Mm -hmm. answer and uh now i have customizable formula where it displays three prediction formulas one is for people that want to make their own formula where there's a list of weather factors and additional variables for each one of those weather factors so if somebody says i do my own math here's what i do well i i say well just check these and put your own numbers in there and it'll do what you do by hand instantly every 15 seconds so as the software improves i had to give people who did things the old-fashioned way a place for their answers if they wanted them and the rest would be our what i call pre-canned formulas and we have a list of about 30 different ones that people use like density altitude with humidity and barometer density altitude with grains um vapor pressure, all sorts of different weather variables that are there as a quick answer, you know, where somebody, I know this particular formula will work in most situations, that's where we start people. And then they can customize them as they need to. The program learns, if it can, you know, there's sometimes there's runs that don't make sense. And in my old version of the software, I used to just automatically zip through all the runs and try to make sense of them all. And as you well know, there's runs that just don't make sense. So now I perfected the software enough where uh, I allow the customer to decide what they want to analyze. And, you know, that's a change that I made probably five, six years ago that helps even a bad run. You still can record it for a number of runs on your lifters and all that. But it doesn't screw up your predictions just because it's in there. And so I may be rambling on right now, but I know that uh, there are certain things in top sportsman and top dragster that are important 
right. important, and I've tried to add those into the program. And, uh, you know, they have their own set of difficulties. Uh, obviously, you guys are on the verge of spinning the tires constantly and having to take timing out. Plus, you have to concern yourself with the 610 index. And while Top Sportsman doesn't normally break into that area, but Top Dragster definitely will. And, uh, you know, there's there's just always things that I'm trying to improve either in the logbook or in the prediction formulas and especially in the search capabilities. And that was what was important to me because as I travel from one track to another, for example, if I go to Bristol, which is an uphill track, it's like right. 10 or 13 feet uphill. You right. have to have separate databases for that because the weather doesn't dictate the performance there. The fact that it's uphill does. Yes. Whereas Las Vegas is a different index, different barometer so you'd want to have a Las Vegas database. And what allows a crew chief to work better is that each database can have its own logic, its own factors that do not interfere with other databases. So if I go to Bristol, I can perfect the factors that make the prediction work and not screw up my uh, you know, Indy database or sure. my St. Louis database or a Las Vegas database, for example. But I make databases for that reason is that I want people to be able to go to an eighth mile track. And when you run race an eighth mile, it'll automatically turn off all the fields after the eighth mile and the software will automatically take away things you don't need. So when people go to a quarter mile, it shows all the quarter mile information. If you go to a thousand foot race, it'll shut off everything after the thousand foot. So it's smart enough to rearrange the screen based on what you're doing. So you see nothing you don't need. And that way you speed up data entry and just saves yourself a lot of pain, basically. And other things that are important to me in data entry are fixing without telling a customer that we fixed something. For example, as you type in a run, I was dealing with years ago with customers having trouble typing. You know, they wouldn't put the decimal in properly. So now crew chief software automatically looks at all of the data as you type and says, well, I'm sure your 60 foot's not 10 seconds. So I'm going to automatically put the decimal where it belongs. Even if you don't see it, as soon as you press enter, we refactor everything. So if your uh, eighth mile was, 4.049 4.049 and you put 40.49 seconds in there we're as soon as you press enter we look at that and say i don't think so and we fix it but we don't tell you hey do we fix this we just fix it and let you move on so it fixes data entry errors and it saves us a lot of phone calls for predictions being wrong because somebody put 40 seconds in for a uh, elapsed time right and so there's things that i've learned over the years how to help the customer improve their own typing by fixing a lot of their mistakes so they don't have to worry about it. You know, it just, we're smart enough to know what's valid and what's not valid for the most part. And so the only thing you need to put a decimal point on is reaction time, the rest mile an hour, everything. We put the decimals right where they belong and fix data entry errors automatically. 
and we double check your weather readings. You know, if you buy a weather station from us that links with crew chief software, we'll take a reading every 15 seconds and, you know, update the predictions and store the weather. So when you come back from a run, you put the time of day in, we look up the weather at that time and fill it in for you. And, and it eliminates data entry errors of people putting you know, barometric pressure was one of the big things. Uh, right. They would transpose numbers. And I had to try to figure out what they really meant, even if they didn't know what they meant. So, for example, the barometer of 29.62 is normal for, like, say, St. Louis. But if you yep. put 24.92 and press enter, well, we're going to assume that you're in Denver, Colorado. And a lot of people said, well, that's only five numbers difference. I said, well, that's the equivalent of 5,000 feet of altitude. So a lot of that comes down to intercepting issues with their data entry. And we've had to learn this the hard way, of course, but, uh, and it saves phone calls from us and makes the predictions better because we think logically about what might be happening and realize that perhaps we can fix this without bothering them and speed up their data entry. I know I'm rambling on and all, and I'm hoping you can, no, that's uh, great. Go ahead if you have some other stuff. <laughs> no, I think because I I'll get going on this, and I'm very passionate about it, and I can't, I won't stop. You know, that's the, the problem. My that, wife tells me. No, no, that's not a problem, <laughs> and that's exactly why your software is the gold standard, in my opinion, because a you are passionate about it. You're there at the track every weekend, and you're constantly trying to make improvements. Uh, you know. I, we talk about, you know, service after the sale. Well, I don't think there's anybody better. I mean, you're, you're out there um, with us all driving, you know, every weekend anyway. And, 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 and you're trying to make it better. I mean, and these things, like you said, you mentioned that, you know, sometimes we put information in wrong. Sometimes we have runs that just don't make any sense and nobody can kind of quite figure out why things happen the way they did. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're constantly in a, in a state of trying to make sense of these numbers. And that I think, you know, your software stuff does as good a job as any, um, you know, in a world that doesn't seem to make much sense sometimes, (laughs) quite frankly. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really good from that standpoint. So I got to ask you, I mean, do you still have that, uh, you still have that bike, you still race that, or is it, is it just the super comp dragster from now it's a funny story. Because I was divorced from my first wife. Uh, she didn't like drag racing. and um, So I left my drag bike at her house in my, I had a giant garage in the backyard. And uh, just last year, she gave away my bike. I didn't know. Oh. Uh, and so my brother-in-law wanted an old three-cylinder two-stroke. I said, I got them, plus I got a couple extra engines, and I got all this stuff. And and then I called my ex-wife, and I said, hey, I'm going to come over and pick that up. She goes, well, you left it in the garage for 25 years. I figured you didn't want it. So last year, I gave it away. I'm like, you did what? And so, yeah, that was, uh, you know, that hurt a little bit, but I won't lie. It just, but she's right. I mean, I don't, I would have liked a heads up, but, uh, Don, you know, I would, I love the triples. Honestly, I just love them. I wish I, she hadn't done that. Let's put it that way. 
Don, my ex-wives would have lit it on fire and videotaped it and sent it to me. So the fact that she just uh, quietly got rid of it is probably, uh, you know, um, I, I that's a feather in her cap, I think, in my opinion. But uh, that uh, that that is really good stuff. Um, well, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, that you know your your software stuff has really advanced our sport in a way that um, you know. Few things have, in my opinion, uh, just from the standpoint, it seems like from the outside, right? It seems from if you're not involved with the sport, it seems like, oh, well, it's just a bunch of hillbillies, you know, doing burnouts and going as fast as they can. And then once you get in the sport, you realize how detailed uh, everything has to be. And, um, you know, your software program kind of helps organize that to a level that um it, very few things out there do and uh, so i i just i think it's great from a, a lot of different ways but uh, well i appreciate it you know i worked very hard at it and it's uh just a passion of mine plus it's just i don't know i just can't think of anything i'd rather be doing Right. And, and you're on the road right now, right? So you've, uh, you've pulled over on the side of the road to give us a few minutes. Um, you're on to Topeka, yes. to Topeka, correct? That's correct. Yeah. All right. Well, go get them. Uh, good luck. Um, we appreciate your time today and, uh, wish you well, uh, hopefully safe travels. I know it's super hot and, uh, but safe travels and good luck to you this weekend. All right. Thank you very much. That was the great Don Higgins. Um, and, owner and developer of the Crew Chief Pro software. Uh, if you need them, Don Higgins, Crew Chief Pro. As we hit the mile per hour cone this week, we have to head to the Bonneville Salt Flats Speed Week where they have been going as fast as humanly possible since 1912. Um, Two former guests of the show, Brett Kepner and Dan Parker. Um, If you have not listened to those dudes, you have to stop and go back and listen to their episodes. But uh, uh, both of those guys could speak much more intelligently on this subject than I can. That said... What they're doing out there right now, I can only assume, sounds um, a lot like this. On the count of three. One, two, three. What happened? Where are they? I don't know, sir. They must have hypertests on that thing. And what do we got on this thing? A Cuisinart? No, sir. We'll find them, catch them. Yes, sir. Prepare ship for light speed. No, 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 light speed is too slow. Light speed too slow? Yes, we're going to have to go right to ludicrous speed. (gasps) Ludicrous speed? Sir, we've never gone that fast before. I don't know if the ship can take it. It's all ludicrous speed to me out there. Um, Clearly, what we do, I think, is more fun. And the launch is absolutely the thrill of it. The top end is, quite frankly... Uh, scary. It's death-defying in a lot of ways. Um, what those dudes are doing out there is essentially flying a plane a half an inch off the ground. I mean, it's barely touching the surface. I mean, the aerodynamics that go into those cars at that speed, at 475 miles an hour, 
which is the latest number that I've seen um, out of the top class out there, is amazing. Some planes don't fly that fast, and you've got cars that are trying to stay on the surface and stay upside right at at that speed. It is phenomenal. Um, I think, you know, I think it would be quite interesting to see if we took some top fuelers or funny cars or whatever out there and gave them a mile to let it rip to see, you know, how they fast they go. Now they do, they do what they uh, is essentially a five mile track uh, out there at the Bonneville Salt Flats. Uh, flats in, and uh, you know, it's just a, it's an amazing, uh, it's amazing scenario. I don't get involved with it very heavily. But what they do is pretty phenomenal, and they've been doing it for over 100 years. Since 1912, they've been getting after it. And uh, like I said, the latest thing they've been doing is, the latest time slip I saw was 475 miles an hour in a car, which is just... Ludicrous speed! All right, let's bring this thing back in. Let's take a peek in the other lane. Let's do it. Let's take the stripe. Guys, girls, that is the show. It is time to pull the shoots on episode number 77. There it is. There's the wind light. And oh, there it is. Nicely done, producer Chris. Getting in for the win once again. And the sweet, sweet sounds that hot Laura Brannigan giving it to us Gloria we you know we do have a lot of new listeners right now uh go back uh episode number nine and listen to why we play Gloria I think it's worth it um for all of us um it really is from a mental standpoint so um hey we had a great week this week uh we dealt with the latest craziness of the world I think as best we can we got down with the latest race results from all across the country and we had two amazing guests on first of all blake peevler the hottest driver in top dragster right now absolutely on a roll my man is and um and then also don higgins the creator of crew chief pro software the data prediction software that is really the gold standard in drag racing he was phenomenal as well Um, guys girls if you have comments questions or curse words you know there are three ways to get at me you can hit me up on the facebook page using the messenger you can find me in walgreens buying up all the vitamin c and zinc they have and you can use the email fastbrackets at outlook.com Anyway, I hope you enjoyed it. Keep the rubber side down and travel safe.
that mean that Gates, Bloomberg, and Bezos are out there mining for minerals to create batteries for their Quasinarts to go faster? Precisely. Exactly. They're digging up the environment. They're destroying it to find minerals to build these battery packs so that they can build electric cars so that we don't destroy the environment. I mean, it's insane. And to your point, from now on, I'm calling them Quasinarts. I'm looking forward to seeing the tech cards with Quasinart as the engine. Yes, that's exactly right. Um, you know, I mean, the tech card should have Quasinart on it. That would that would be perfect. I, I would love to see that. Today's episode was brought to you by AFCO Racing Products. For over three decades, AFCO Racing Products has focused on one goal. Deliver high-quality racing products to those who compete to win. In drag racing, you only get one chance to get it right. Choosing quality components from the start leads to round wins and ultimately leads to championships. At AFCO Racing Products, they engineer, manufacture, and produce four-way shocks, struts, and double-adjustable shocks, complemented by a complete lineup of springs to support the entire range of drag racing competitors. If you are bracket racing today and future plans include top dragster or top sportsman, they have the correct shock package for you at every stage of your racing career. For tech support, quality, and superior on-track performance, think AFCO Racing Products.